You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. trouble from all around. But the main key is when you become frustrated, we need to get to God. We need to go back to the beginning, back to the basics, back to the basics, back to simple faith, simple believing in God's Word, believing in what He said is true, a simple belief. Yes, Lord, I believe in you, and I accept that, and I want that and opening your heart to what God wants to do. Trying something new can end up in frustration when things don't work out the way you envision them to. In today's message, Pastor Dave encourages us to not give up when our walk with God becomes more difficult than we expected. Never forget that God is faithful and He hasn't given up on you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ezra chapter 4 as he continues his message, Opposition to the Work of God. is tremendously satisfactory. It's a tremendous blessing when you serve God and you see people coming to God and you're doing the things of God. But when we begin to get discouraged, we start to lean on our own understanding. We start to think, well, God's plan's not working. I need to do this. That's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be. The enemy knows that. He knows that about you, and he knows that discouragement works. So he always constantly tries to throw discouragement at you, whether it's in the form of a person, whether it's in the form of a group, whether it's a church, whatever it might be. He throws discouragement at you and makes you become discouraged and lose heart. How did they do this? They told lies about the people in Judah. They told lies about them, and they encouraged the people to do everything possible to discourage the work on the temple. Satan wanted it to stop. Why? Why would Satan want the work on the temple to stop? He knows what happens in the temple. He knows that in the temple at that time, their sins could be covered. They could get right with God. There could be worship. There could be prayer. There could be all sorts of things, fellowshipping one to another. He knows that. And that's what he wants to keep you from doing. That's what he wants you to keep you from doing. He knew what would happen when the temple was rebuilt. He knew the power of God's people in unity, and he knew that what happens when we are in unity and we pray and worship and study God's word. He knows what happens. So he wants to discourage you and keep you from being a part of. He knows that. So he tries that. He tries that. If you discourage someone and you trouble someone, there's always something that's not very far behind, and it's called frustration. It's called frustration. Look at verse 5. And hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. What usually happens 
when the discouragement and the trouble leads to frustration. What happens in your life when you get frustrated? Let me tell you what happens in my life when I get frustrated. I quit. I give up. I give up. Unless I'm working on my computer, then I reach for a hammer. You give up. You give up. Look at the synonyms for frustration. Exasperation, disappointment, disheartening, depression. Frustration is a progress here. There's a progression here. You get discouraged. And, and then all of a sudden you're troubled in heart and you become frustrated. And all of a sudden all these other things happen and you just said, I've had it. I give up. I'm done. I'm done. Many of you have been there. I think this is particularly happening in those who suffer from the sin of addiction. I can see it happen. And they've tried to be clean and they've tried to be clean. And they get frustrated. They get troubled. They get discouraged. And all of a sudden they give up and they go back to the same old thing. And I see that happen time and time again. It's horrible. They give up what they need the most. This enemy hires professional counselors to frustrate the people of the Lord. These professional counselors. One time, I knew some people over in Germany, and they had to take this test in Germany. And it was like an, almost like an IQ test, but you talked about your favorite things and, and what you loved and, and all these kind of things, and you wrote all these stuff down. And then they sat before a professional. Well, my friends happened to be Christians, and they wrote down all these things about serving the Lord and about reading his word, about praying and fellowshipping and, and going God's way and believing in God's things like that. And the counselor said, you guys are mentally ill because of all their answers to the questions. They came across to the world as mentally ill. So you can see what the world looks at us. So we have the discouragement, we have troubling, and we have frustration. These are things that the enemy likes to do in our lives to get us to stop serving God, to get us to take, uh, you know what, I just can't read this anymore, you know? He can even frustrate to the point when you read it, you go, huh? And it doesn't make sense. And you give up. You give up. You become frustrated with reading the Word of God. I'm not getting nothing out of it. And you give up. Don't give up. Keep reading it. Ask the Holy Spirit to open it up. Holy Spirit was the author here. Holy Spirit inspired men to pen this. It was all inspired by the God. The Holy Spirit inspired men. So if we ask, who better to lead us through it than the Holy Spirit? Get with the Lord. Pray. Holy Spirit, show me through these scriptures and bring something out. It might be one word. It might be one word that just turns your heart afire where he shows you these things. That's one of the reasons why I love to read Psalms every day. I love to read the Psalms because they're so encouraging and so uplifting. Some people read the Proverbs every day. They're, they're good. But what you read every day is good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I love these reading plans. Read through the Bible in one year. I think they're fantastic until you miss a day, and then you get all upset. And you become legalistic. Oh, nothing but God, I left a day. Oh, my. And you start crying about missing a day. And you become legalistic on yourself because you missed a day. We can't do that. we got to be careful. But I think they're a great way to get through the Bible. I think it's wonderful to read through the Bible. You should have your own reading plan or follow a reading plan the best you can. And read and study and let God fill your heart. But this frustration is going to happen. You're going to be troubled from all around. But the main key is when you become frustrated, we need to get to God. We need to go back to the beginning. 
back to the basics. Back to the basics. Back to simple faith. Simple believing in God's word. Believing in what he said is true. A simple belief. Yes, Lord, I believe in you, and I accept that, and I want that. And opening your heart to what God wants to do. The rest of the chapter is all about these letters now that are being written against the rebuilding of the temple. Look at verse 6. In the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So starting here, it's interesting though, I found this out, that starting here in Ezra 4 verse 8, and continuing all the way until Ezra 6, verse 18, everything was written in Aramaic, not Hebrew. Everything was in Aramaic because they're sending it over to these kings. So we have this interesting time. So let's read 7 through 16. Now, it says, I'll read 6 again. In the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote in an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 7, in the days of Artaxerxes, also Bishlam, Minareth, Tabal, and the rest of their companions wrote to Artaxerxes, king of Persia, and the letter was written in Arabic script and translated into the Aramic language. Rahum, the commander, and Shimshai, the scribe, wrote a letter against Jerusalem to King Artaxerxes in this faction. And here's the letter. We'll read down to verse 16. From Raham the commander, Shimshai the scribe, and the rest of his companions, representatives of the Dianaites, the Afbashakabakabakalites, the Tarpalites, the people of Persia, and Erech, Babylon, and Shushan, the Devadites, and the Elamelites, and the Termites, and all the rest of the nations. <laughs> that wasn't in there? Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke. And all the rest of the nations whom the great noble Osnapper took captive and settled in the cities of Samaria and the reminder beyond the river and so forth. This is a copy of the letter that they sent him. To King Artaxerxes, from your servants, the men of the region beyond the river and so forth. I like that, and so forth. Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem and are rebuilding the rebellious evil city and are finishing its walls and repairing the foundations. Now hold on a minute. This is a lie. What are they rebuilding? The temple. The temple. The city and the walls don't get rebuilt until who? Nehemiah. Nehemiah, which is the next book of the Bible. Let it now be known to this king that if this city is built and the walls completed, they will not pay tax or tribute and custom of the king's treasury will be diminished. Now, because we received support from the palace, it was not proper for us to see the king's dishonor. Therefore, we have sent and informed the king that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers, and you will find in the book of the records and know that this city is rebellious city, harmful to kings and providences, and that they have incited sedition within the city in former times, which caused this city to be destroyed." We inform the king that if the city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river. Lies. They're telling half-truths. Now, they're telling half-truths. It indicates the work they're complaining against was not the rebuilding of the temple. It's the rebuilding of the city. 
the rebuilding of the city. They're resisting the building of the city. As soon as the temple was completed, sooner or later, for several reasons, one thing is the same Zerubbabel who started the work finished it. You can read that in Zechariah 4.9. Another is that some of the people who saw the glory of Solomon's temple also lived that long. Can you imagine? They saw the glory of Solomon's temple, were carried away for 70 years, and now they're back viewing this. It says they will not pay tax or tribute or custom. This was a lie. It's a false accusation. They recalled the sins of Jerusalem. They called a rebellious and evil city and attributed them to why they were taken away. It had nothing to do with that. They were taken away because God had them taken away. They were being chastised by the Lord God Jehovah. They said it was not proper use to see the kings dishonored. See how they skillfully shaped their words? This is what happens. This is a trick of Satan. They skillfully trick their words, and they lie, and they tell half-truths. They act like they're supporting and protecting the king, when that's not what they're doing at all. This is another lie. It says, the city is rebellious and harmful to kings and princes. They're recalling Jerusalem's past. The Samaritans argued that allowing the building work to continue would make it so that the king of Persia would have no dominion beyond the river. And their attack by this letter is a combination of truth and lies. And this is what Satan does. He packs some truth and some lies, and you really can't tell the difference. He hasn't changed tactics much since the very beginning of time. He has you question God's word. Has God really said that? Has God really said you're going to die if you eat of that tree? He's holding something back from you. If you eat of that tree, you're going to be like him. You'll know the difference between good and evil. A little bit of lie, a little bit of truth. The truth was completely irrelevant because of the great lie, the truth of Israel's past. Israel did have a sordid past. They did rebel against kings. They did come against kings. But a lot of times they paid tribute. This is a pattern that our adversaries constantly follow. Satan and his angels, which are the enemies of us, often attack us with a combination of truth and lies. They tell people of our great sin. It's an accusation which is often true. But then they lie about the work of Jesus Christ. They lie about the work of us being forgiven. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I am. I am. But I've been saved by grace. By my faith in Jesus Christ, I have been saved. My sins have been forgiven. And I don't have to be judged by them anymore. I've been judged once. But they always want to do that. And I'll never forget what Philip said to Matthew in The Chosen. They always want to judge you by your past. They always want to judge you by your past. They always will take us, Christian, and judge you by your past. Oh, I knew you when. I knew you back when. Yeah, I did. I knew you. And Satan loves to accuse us before God. He is the accuser of the brethren. And that's one of the things he does. Look at Dave down there. Oh, look at him on stage teaching your word. Do you realize what he did? Do you know what he's done? Do you know what he's done in the past? Do you know all the things that he's done? And God says, yeah, I know. But he also is my child. He's accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And his sins are forgiven. And Satan, you know the book. You need to turn to the Romans. It says, now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So we have that. We need to know that when you come against Satan because he's going to rear his ugly head. In 17 through 23, as we finish out the chapter, we see what happens. The king sends an answer. I wonder how long it took for these letters to get back and forth. I think about those kind of things. They didn't have whatever. Did he pull the camel up and put it into the mailbox or what? I don't know. Come on. I don't know. So the king sent an answer in verse 17. To Rahum the commander and Shimshai. You got to love the name Shimshai. I don't know. You know. I mean, that already sounds bad. You know, Shim. Come on now. Wait a minute. Who? The scribe. To the rest of the companions who dwell in Samaria. To the remainder beyond the river. Peace and so forth. He's got to love the way these guys write. Yeah, yeah. Peace and, you know, all that stuff. Okay, so forth. This letter which you sent to us has been clearly read before me. And I gave the command, and a search has been made, and it was found that this city in former times has revolted against kings, and rebellion and sedition have been fostered in it. There have also been mighty kings over Jerusalem who have ruled over the kingdom beyond the river, and the tax, tribute, and customs were paid to them. Now, give the command to make these men cease, that this city may not be built until the command is given by me. Take heed now that you do not fail to do this. Why should damage increase to the hurt of the kings? Now, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rahum, Shimshai, the scribe, and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and by force of arms made them cease. Thus, the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased. And it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Yes, the city had been in rebellion against kings. Yes, at times they haven't paid their tribute, their taxes. This was true. This was true. But that's not why they were carried away. That's not the Artaxerxes is a big king. And he's going to come into play later especially when we get to Nehemiah. It's going to be his command to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the walls that starts a certain clock ticking. What clock is that? You better read Daniel 9. Artaxerxes' decree that starts the clock ticking until Messiah the prince comes to Jerusalem. And from the time Artaxerxes gives the command to Nehemiah in another book to go and rebuild the walls and rebuild the city until Messiah the Prince comes is a long, long time. But if we do the math, which we'll do when we get there, it comes exactly to April 16th of the year B.C. when Christ went into Jerusalem on the, what we call Palm Sunday to the exact day. I love it. So Artaxerxes has a lot of power. Remember, he said, tell him not to do anything until I give the command. That's the clue, until I give the command. Nehemiah will go to Artaxerxes and ask, and he will write the decree that starts that clock ticking. You can read all about that in Daniel. Great prophecy, Daniel. Rule beyond the river. Give the command for them to cease. What does this tell you? Well, tells me 
Sometimes Satan wins a battle. Sometimes Satan wins a battle. But be of good cheer, saints. He'll never win the war. The war has already been won by Jesus Christ. The war is over and we win. We are victorious. Yeah, we may lose a battle here and there, a skirmish here and there, but we will not lose the war. Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rahim and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and forced the of arms, made them cease. Thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased, and it was discontinued until the second reign of Darius king. Didn't stop forever. It didn't stop forever. It stopped for a short time. Goes back to what I originally said. You can never, ever thwart and stop the plan of God. It can't be done. Satan will always try. He will always try to come against you anytime you try to step out in faith and do anything for the Lord. He will be right there. Ask anyone who stepped out. What happens? Ask anyone who steps out and tries to do something for the Lord and watch and let them tell you about the horror stories of how Satan came against them. He always wants to remind you of your past. He always wants to tell you about those things. And I love the bumper sticker. When Satan tells you about your past, remind him of his future. We know where he's going. But just be of good cheer, folks. Now there, there's no for condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that's our hope. Don't be condemned. Don't let these half lies drag you down. Don't become discouraged. Don't become troubled. And don't become frustrated doing the work of God. Don't grow weary of doing good, Scripture says. Don't lose heart, Scripture says. Be of good cheer, Scripture says. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always going forward. Never stop moving forward. Many, many, many good Bible scholars think that if you stop moving forward, you're actually backsliding. Always move forward in God. Always move forward, my children, always. And God will do a perfect work in you. God will not let you down. He's there. And he wants to see you succeed because he wants more people to come into the kingdom. And that's what he's using us for. He's using us to be a light in the midst of this dark, dark world. And he wants to call all people because it's his will that none would perish. It's his will that none would perish. So the work stopped. But if you have a new King James, you see in chapter 5, the heading for chapter 5 says, the restoration of the temple resumed. So it's going to stop for a little while. And then it is going to go forward as we go through. We only have six more chapters left in the book of Ezra. Only six more chapters left in the book of Ezra. And then we get to Nehemiah and moving through the scriptures. And after Nehemiah, we get to visit the queen, Esther. That's a great story, too. Esther's a wonderful story. So, so there. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You are Ezra 6, 19-20 says, On the fourteenth day of the first month, the returned exiles kept Passover, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean, so they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all of the returned exiles, for their fellow priests and for themselves. 
The Feast of Passover was a reminder of God rescuing His people from Egypt and a foreshadowing of when Jesus would die to rescue all of us from sin and death. It's so fitting that the people would celebrate Passover when God stepped in to rescue them from oppression once again. I love the incredible way that God showed us in a million different ways through all the stories and all the feasts that His plan was always to rescue you and I. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave is opening up the book of Ezra for us and showing us all the ways that this book points to Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you've been here with us today. I hope you'll return again for when Pastor Dave continues through Ezra. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to come visit in person. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. You can find out more about this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Our service times and directions are listed there, as well as links to our live stream on Facebook and YouTube for anyone who can't make it in person. Well, that's all we have for today. We'll be back with more next time as Pastor Dave shares all the ways Ezra shows us a sure hope. Show. Sure.